0: I can. and James chapter four. James chapter four. The title of the message tonight is "One Life to Live." One life to live. Now, I, I someone told me that's the name of a soap opera. So, if it is, let's not think about that. Let's think about the scriptures tonight. Some of you may. Watch those all day, and you're thinking of the, the newest plot line in that. But hey, let's focus on the scriptures tonight. One life to live. Because that is the truth. We only have one life to live. And I want to talk about that tonight. James chapter 4, let's look at verse 13. And I will read these scriptures, pray, and jump right into the message. It says in James chapter 4 and verse 13 Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. It's talking about someone who kind of plans in advance their lives and says, Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this tomorrow and that day and that day. But verse 14, uh, uh, James gives us his truth Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Our lives tonight. We're going to talk about it. Lord, we love you. Bless us. Bless the message. Thank you for these precious folks here tonight. Lord, this wonderful crowd here in a Wednesday tonight. Thank you for Harvest Baptist Church and Pastor Shot. Please be with them. Be with the revival next week. Use Pastor Rich as he comes. Keep him safe in his travels and do a great work next week in this amazing church. We love you so much. Your precious name. Amen. Donald Savini. I was born November 8th, 1989. So, just for those who want to know, my birthday is coming up, and I do love Taco Bell. Amen. Uh, No, uh, November 8th, 1989, I was born in Springfield, Massachusetts. And I grew up in Holyoke, Massachusetts. It was a short time as a boy uh, that I lived in Germany. My dad was in the military. We lived out in Mainz, Germany. And I remember a couple memories from Germany, but not much. I remember flying back in one of those military kind of cargo planes where you're kind of in the bottom of the plane. And I don't know if anyone's ever been in those, but I remember as a kid that being really weird. I remember my ears popping terribly as a little boy. And then we grew up in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I attended Pioneer Valley Baptist Academy and went to the church there in Westfield, Massachusetts under the leadership of pastor Jerry Cleveland. I was saved in that church. Uh the Lord led our family then to Mountain View Baptist Church in Holyoke where I spent my teen years under the leadership of pastor Eric Tharp and then pastor Korea and my youth pastor was none other than pastor Rich Zavonsky was my youth pastor growing up. Then the Lord led, us, uh, uh, led me out to uh, Golden State Baptist College in California, I believe where your youth pastor's from. And I spent several years there uh, learning about ministry and things like that, had an awesome time in California. Then the Lord uh, we led us back to Massachusetts for a short time, we got married, we had little Donald when he was six months old. Uh, in 2012, January of 12, we moved out to Jackson, Michigan and took the youth ministries there at Loomis Park Baptist Church. Fast forward almost seven years, and here I am now uh, on deputation to start Coastline Baptist Church in Cape Cod, Massachusetts with my wife. And we're excited. Now, that's just a really quick synopsis of the life of Donald Savini. Now, that's very brief. I could honestly, even though I'm only almost 29 years old, I could spend hours and hours and hours Telling story after story after story about when I was a child, about when I was a teenager, about when I was an adult, about our ministry in Jackson, about any part of my life. And some of you say, well, you think you could spend hours and hours. I could spend days and days and days telling stories about my 50 years or 60 years or 70 years of life. And that is very true. Even though I'm still young, I could spend a long time telling stories and talking about the brief life that I've lived thus far. But the amazing fact is that even though I could spend a lot of time talking about my life, it is still only a fraction in time. Isn't that amazing? Even if I live to be 100 years old and I could spend days and weeks and weeks nonstop talking about my life, it is still, in the grand scheme of things, a tiny speck unseen compared with eternity. I will die one day, unless the Lord comes back. I will die one day, as will you. And in 100 years, no one may remember us. It's weird to think I never knew any of my great-grandparents. When I was born, they were already all passed off the scene. Uh, I don't know much about them. I, I don't know them. And you know, my kids will probably never even hear about them. Now, maybe that's just me doing a bad job of teaching them the family tree. I don't know. But in 100 years, and 150 years, no one will probably remember who we are. And it may seem uh, like we are insignificant people. And we may ask the question, you know what? Wow, that's kind of uh, depressing news, Donald. Uh, Do I even matter? And the truth is, according to the Bible, yes, we do matter. We do matter. Go to Psalm 139 quickly if you can. Psalm 139, this is usually Wednesday night Bible study, so we'll go through the Bible just a little bit and we'll finish off in a chapter in a few moments. Genesis, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 139, Psalm 139. And we see down in verse 14, it says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. Now, if we, if we are a work of God, the Bible says we're marvelous. We're fearfully, wonderfully made. And that my soul knoweth right well. Look at verse 15. If you're feeling a little lonely or discouraged or insignificant or insecure tonight, focus on these next few verses. Verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in cont- anyone for fashion when as yet there was none of them verse 17 how precious also are thy thoughts unto me o god how great is the sum of them if i should count them they are more in number than the sand when i awake i am still with thee you matter to god your life as insignificant as it may seem sometimes is important to god ephesians chapter 2 And we know verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. We are a work of God, created unto good works. The next book of the Bible, Philippians chapter 2 and it says there in verse uh, uh, 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You are important to God. There is a reason you are here on this earth. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him And for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. You are created to do a work for God. You are created to do good works for the Savior. There's a reason you are here, and you are a big deal to God. Although my life may seem minuscule in the grand scheme of eternity, I am important to God. and God has a specific plan for me. It is why God gave us his word, his promises. Listen, if God, if our lives didn't matter, then why would God leave us his word? He leaves us his promises, his guidebook for life. He leaves us the opportunity to talk to him through prayer. Man, he commands us to talk to him. You're important to God. He gives us preachers to tell us and to guide us and to preach to us and to show us what the Bible says. God did all that for us. Our lives were important. So now that I know and we know that our lives are important to Him, I want to tell you tonight briefly how I want to live my life while I have it. Although it may not seem much in the grand scheme of eternity, God has still given me breath. God has still given me a life. And there's a way that I want to live it. And my guide for life is found in the book of Acts in chapter 8. Look at Acts chapter 8 and we'll finish here. Acts chapter 8. The story of this chapter is about Philip. Philip. This man, Philip. And we can learn some things from Philip and how Philip lived his life. And it's the way that I want to live my life. We'll see in Acts chapter 8, in the first few verses, verses 1 through 3, we we see the persecution of the church. It says in the first verse that Saul was consenting unto his death, the death of Stephen, at the end of chapter 7. And at that time, it says in verse 1, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judah and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great limitation over him. Verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the churches, entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Saul is here, soon to be Paul, just in the next chapter Saul becomes Paul and gets saved, hallelujah. But in this chapter 8, Saul is wreaking havoc in the church. Christians are being persecuted. Christians are being arrested for their faith. Stephen had just been stoned at the end of chapter 7. And listen, all these things are happening in the church, but thank God that did not stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see in verses four and five, the preaching of Christ. Verse four, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Verse 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, even though they were being persecuted, even though they were being arrested, even though Saul was making havoc of the church there at Jerusalem in Samaria. They didn't give up. They didn't go into hiding. But instead, they went everywhere. It says they went everywhere preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Philip went to Samaria and preached Christ. And we see in verse 6 through 8 the power of the gospel in the city. This is amazing. Verse 6. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. They listened to what he said about Christ. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsy and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now you think of what it says in verse six. With one accord, the people of Samaria gave heed to what Philip was preaching. The whole city Got saved, incredible! They all listened to what he said. They, with one accord, they received. Could you imagine the entire city of New Hartford getting saved, being at Harvest Baptist on next Sunday morning? Man, you'd you'd pack this place out. You'd have to, you'd have to have church out in the pavilion. Man, need this place be crowded? Could you imagine? Uh, Could I imagine all of Cape Cod, all two hundred twenty thousand people, me saying, "Hey, uh, Jesus Christ died for, rose again, and wants to save your soul," and everybody in Cape Cod saying? Okay, I believe that. I want to get saved. That would be amazing. We'd love that. And we see in verse 8 that there was great joy in that city. By the way, side note, Christ is the only one that can bring you true joy. If you're, if you're struggling or depressed or discouraged tonight, try, stop trying to find your joy in everything else and rest in Jesus Christ. That is where true joy is found. And we see this... Brief few verses and and what God, how God is using Philip in this city of Samaria. Here's Philip great success. Serving God as a preacher, great success as an apostle. Many are saved, all of them are saved and baptized and added to the church. And it says they're in one accord and there's joy in the city. And he's, man, they're kept safe from the persecution now and God's blessing. He's just got the dream job right now. Philip's, man, he's he's living the lush life, serving God with the right heart. God's using him. Things are great. Things are awesome. Things are comfortable. And then life changes for Philip. Life changed. Has that ever happened to you before? Everything is kind of normal and things are going kind of with the flow and everything's just fine and dandy and then something happens and we don't like change. Human nature does not like change. Listen, when things in your teeth start to change, And maybe something starts growing that shouldn't be growing. Man, we don't like that kind of change. And when we got to go to the dentist and he's got to remove the change, we don't like that change either. Listen, we are people and we are our instinct, human instinct, is that we don't like change. And Philip goes through a change right now. Verse 26, all the way down. There's a brief story about Simon, but we'll skip that for tonight. In Verse 26, uh, God has blessed the city. But in verse 26... It says, The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. So here's Philip the dream job in Samaria. Man, the whole city's excited about Jesus and the whole city's saved and they're believing what he's saying and things are great. And then God says, all right, Philip, I want you to leave this, uh, this city that everybody's loving life and serving me and everything's great and I want you to go to the desert. And it sounds like a blast, doesn't it? Man, what a, what a thanks, thanks, Lord, but what does Philip do? Verse 27. By the way, there's no verses in between that say that You know, Philip, Philip, verse 27. He arose and went. He arose and went. How did Philip live? We're getting now onto these three points. Three ways that I see in this chapter that Philip lived and it's the way I want to live my life as well. Number one, how did Philip live? Number one, no restraints. No restraints. Nothing stopped him from obeying God. Not the dream job there in Samaria. Hey, not all the souls that were already saved and excited about God and that joy in the city. Listen, not not the safety that he had in Samaria. No, nothing held him back. Nothing restrained him from giving God all and from obeying the voice of God. When God said go, he didn't pray about it. He didn't think about it. He just let go and let God. Nothing held him back. I want to live my life with No restraints. Now, the world preacher uses that phrase in a wicked context. They want to live life with no restraints. I just want to be who I am and live how I want to live, and nothing's going to stop me from doing that. Listen, I'm not talking about that kind of no restraints. I'm talking about the kind of restraints that when it comes to God's will, nothing is going to stop me. Nothing is going to hold me back from the will of God. We allow things as Christians, as preachers sometimes, to hold us back from obeying the perfect will of God. You ever seen a dog on a chain, and he sees a squirrel or a rabbit, and he forgets that he's on his chain, and he jumps out of the doghouse and starts running across, and suddenly he get get held back by that chain? And we kind of laugh at it sometimes too, but we do the same thing as Christians sometimes. Man, maybe God is leading us to do something, and we're saying, okay, I know that God knows best. I know that he uh, is wise, and he's perfect, and he's all-knowing, and he has uh, uh, my best interest in mind. I'm going to try to, I'm following God's will. I'm doing what he says he wants me to do. But we have things that hold us back. And as the closer we get, man, we just kind of keep getting held back, whether it's sin in our lives that hold us back. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's sometimes even family can hold us back from obeying the perfect will of God. Listen, I'm going to live my life with no restraints. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I surrender all. I don't want to live my life with anything holding me back. Philip didn't. Man, he said, God said, go to the desert. He said, all right. He got up and he went. Surrender. No restraints. We also see, look at verse 27. He arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for the worship, was returning, this Ethiopian man was returning and sitting in his chariot reading uh, Isaiah the prophet. Then, verse 29, the spirit said unto Philip, the Lord speaks to him again, go near and join thyself, to this chariot. God commands Philip, okay, now you're in the desert, you obeyed me then. Now you see that guy over there that you don't know, I want you to go up to, get, get up and go and get in his chariot with him. So what does Philip do? Verse uh, 20, where does it say? Verse 30. Verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him. Philip ran thither. Thither to him. He didn't only live with no restraints, but number two, he lived with no hesitation. No hesitations. He didn't wait to see what the guy was going to do. He didn't have to pray about it and say, Lord, let me just pray and see if you you really want me to do this. God said, go. No hesitations. He didn't even just walk to the man. It says he ran. There was no hesitation in the life of Philip. No second thoughts. No weighing the pros and cons. No hesitations. Immediate obedience. And I'm telling you, church, I want to live my life the same way. I don't want to hesitate when God tells me to do something. Man, I don't want to wait and always just, listen, I know the Bible talks to wait on God, but when I know what God wants me to do. Man, I don't want to sit around and hope it just kind of falls into place. I want to do what He says right when He says it. No hesitations. When God said, Donald, I want you to go to California for Bible college. Man, I said, okay, I'm going. When God said, Donald, I want you to go to, to Michigan and, and leave your family and leave your, your children, grandparents, and all these things and, and, and work at this church. Listen, I said, all right, God, we're going to go. When God said, I want you to leave that. Listen, by the way, things in Jackson were great. They were awesome. We didn't leave bad. We lived very well. It was very difficult to leave. We cried. We shed lots of tears because God was blessing. But God said, I want you to do this, and I didn't want to wait. I said, all right, Lord, we're going. i want to live my life with no hesitations. God said, I want you to go to Cape Cod. Man, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to obey him without hesitation. Man, I don't know, uh, you got Dunkin' Donuts. Thank God for all the Dunkin' Donuts in New England. There's only one in Jackson. I'm like, oh, and it wasn't even that good. But all the ones here are great. And they got this thing now where you get the coupons on the cups. Isn't that awesome? And the coupons, you know what they have? I mean, uh, you got, you know, some have a free coffee. I saw a guy in Boston, Brother Ian Brown's church. He got a $100 gift card on one of those peels. Like, man, that's great. But on all those coupons, you know what there is? An expiration date. To where you say, man, I get, a, I get a free donut. I get a free bagel. And you can wait and wait and wait. I'll use it tomorrow. I'll use it next week. I'll use... And then you go in to use it. And they say, I'm sorry, this, this expired you know, seven months ago. Sorry, bro. Listen, we're not just talking about a cup of coffee, though. I don't want to miss what God has for me. What if, preacher, last summer when God began talking to my, speaking to my heart about Cape Cod, I said, you know, Lord, this is just, and by the way, I did pray about it, obviously, but I said, Lord, I just, man, things are really going good here, and the youth group's really, God's working, and. And things are moving, and and man, I I finally figured out how to be a youth pastor after six years. I kind of want to take a few years and actually do my job right now, you know, after all these years. I said, Lord, and I just didn't do what God wanted. And I said, I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. Man, I could have missed what God had. I don't want to miss what God has for my life. I'm going to live my life with no hesitations. Lord, I'm doing what you say, and I don't have to question you. Man, I don't have to doubt you. Like Abraham, God said, leave your hometown. Leave your family. Go to a country I'm going to show you. And he went. God said, sacrifice your son to me. And Abraham was willing to do that without hesitation. Even raising the knife to slay his son, he was willing to do it without hesitation because he believed God. He had faith that God knew best. Are you, church family, hesitating in your obedience to God? trying to justify the life that you're living. Well, it's not that bad. Or, you know, I'm just trying to provide for my family. That's so often. I'm just trying to provide for my family. You know, so I, that's why I, I don't come to church very often because I'm always working on this and that. I Listen, I understand that some jobs you're required. To, but listen, I'm just saying, you know your heart. You know what God wants. God has tried to speak to your heart. Why don't we listen? Why do we hesitate so? The longer you wait, the more chance you have of missing the will of God. Maybe it's a calling of God in your life. I know of a man... At a church, a dear friend, God called him to preach 25 years ago, and he waited. He waited, and it's now, 25 years later, with a family, a large family, and kids, and, and, and that he, 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 he wants to follow God's will now, and it's a whole lot harder now than it would have been if he had not hesitated. And he's discouraged, and he's depressed, and every time he tries to, to take the next step, he hits a wall. He may have missed it. Preacher, I don't want to miss it. You got lost family, lost coworkers at your job, and God has been telling you, man, give them a track. Hey, give them the gospel. See, man, I, just got to, I want to just wait for the right time. Man, I just don't want to offend them. I don't want to make things awkward. Hey, you may miss your chance. No hesitation. Maybe a ministry here that, man, they're, they're, here at Harvest Baptist is a ministry that needs help. There's always ministries that need help. And you've been on the fence about helping. I'm just going to pray about it, preacher, for a few more years. (laughs) Seems like that sometimes. And I know this is the core crowd tonight. You probably all have a spot of ministry, but maybe not. Maybe you're on the fence. Hey, no hesitation. Go all in for Jesus Christ. You won't regret it. Stop waiting for the right time. The time is now before it's too late. So little time. The harvest will be over. Work for the night is coming. Oh, we've got to serve him while we can. Philip lived with no hesitation. We see lastly, look at verse 30. He says, he ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. By the way, that, that question that this man asked Philip, There's lost people everywhere we go asking this same question. Hey, they may not say it with their voice, but you can see it in their eyes. They're looking for something, aren't they? They're looking for peace. They're looking for joy. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for answers somewhere, and usually in the wrong places. And we have that hope that they're looking for. In this hopeless world, there's people all around you looking for hope. And this guy, this man says, how can I? I don't know what I'm reading, except someone should guide me. And that's why we're here, folks. We see in verses uh, uh, 32 uh, what he's reading there in Isaiah. uh, A sheep led to the slaughter like a lamb dumb before his shearer. Verse 32. So opened he not his mouth. Verse 33. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his generation? Verse 34. The eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speakest the prophet? this of himself or of some other man in law. This is such an incredible verse. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Isaiah was talking about Christ who was going to come and die on the cross. And he had died. And Philip preached Christ unto this man. Incredible. We see in verse 36, they went on their way and there was water. And the eunuch said, see here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ Is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. This man was saved. He was baptized. In verse 39, when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. You know how I believe Philip lived in these last few verses? We see how God used Philip, and this man got saved and baptized. In verse 40, we see that Philip continues on. He's preaching in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Listen, what I feel I can grasp from this passage and from the life of Philip is he lived with no restraints. He lived with no hesitations. And I believe that Philip lived with no regrets. Philip lived with no regrets. I don't believe that he regretted leaving Samaria. Man, I wish I could have be back in that city. Man, everybody was already saved. Everybody had joy already. Everything was great. Hey, God led him to the desert. He saved this man. I don't think he regretted going to the desert. I don't think he regretted running to that man and getting in his chariot and preaching Jesus unto him. Hey, Philip lived with no regrets. God led him there. And then he led him away again after God used him there in Gaza in the desert. Man, he sent him to another city. It says the Spirit of the Lord caught him away. A miracle happened. The eunuch saw him no more. The Ethiopian man said, man, where did he go? Ah, it doesn't matter. I'm saved. And he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, I believe, lived with no regrets. He kept preaching and went on preaching. I want to live my life with no regrets. Church, I want to live my life with no regrets. I don't want to say, I wish I had followed God to Cape Cod. Man, I want to go to Cape Cod. I don't want to say I wish I had obeyed his call. I wish I had witnessed more. I wish I had given the gospel to that co-worker. I wish I had given the gospel to that aunt or uncle or cousin or mom or dad. I wish I had reached out to more people and had compassion on more people and given more of my wealth to more people. I wish I had done that. I wish I had been more faithful to God's house. I wish I had been more faithful to his word. I wish I had been more faithful to you. I don't want to live the Way. I know that we'll all say, I wish I had given him more. I know that. We can never outgive God. But I don't want to live my life saying, I wish I had done this, I wish I had done that. I want to give all that I can now. Now! I don't want to have any regrets. There's a song that says, I don't regret a mile. I've traveled for my Lord. I don't regret the times I trusted in his word. I've seen the years go by, many days without a song, but I don't regret a mile. I traveled for my Lord. Brother Miss Stewart, I think you can say after these years you've been on deputation, man, you say, you know what? It's worth it. Man, times get tough sometimes. Life gets tough sometimes, but man, you keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Man, I I know. I believe it beyond a shadow of doubt. You'll get to your deathbed one day. You'll get to heaven and say, man, you know, there, there were days of difficulty, but I have no regret because I gave it all to him. I live for him completely. No restraints. No hesitation. No regrets. Lord, we love you. Thank you for these precious people. Thank you for them being here in your house tonight. Please, Lord, I hope you use the message tonight in someone's heart. I know this is the core group, Lord, the Lord, the family of God, Lord, the, the people at Harvest that are probably already, uh, Lord, doing what I just preached about. But Lord, maybe there's someone here tonight that's not. Maybe there's someone that does have some restraints up in their life. Maybe there's someone, Lord, that is hesitating in their obedience to you. Lord, I don't want to live with regrets. And I don't think these precious folks do either. Maybe some of them already have some regrets in their heart of past mistakes. Help them in order to just give it all to you and bring it all to you tonight and make it right. Lord, we love you so much. We need you.